Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show hey listener underdog fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry you can play pick them pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower total in each stat for this week's games for a chance to win big you can actually win up to 100 times your money in a single night that's right i didn't say 10 i didn't say 20 up to 100 times your money Pick between two and five players, build a pick'em entry. My favorite feature, you can make rivals picks. Pit two players against each other. Wembenyama versus Nikola Jokic. Tim Hardaway Jr. versus Norm Powell. Kawhi Leonard versus Steph Curry. Who knows? Maybe Grayson Allen versus Pat Connaughton. You get where I'm going with that. You can do it all with Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you sign up today with the promo code DING. That's D-I-N-G. And get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant pick'em special. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code DING, D-I-N-G, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 as well as an instant Pick them special must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concern with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All I heard was the first 20 minutes because somebody said, Oh my God, what's wrong with the meeting in the first 20 minutes? Like, what do you mean? What's wrong with me? And I listened to it and I was like, Oh shit, man, I was broke off my ass. Really? Because you had said you woke up from a nap. So were you drinking during the nap or did you take a drunk nap? I took a nap. I woke up. I started drinking. What? 
You got drunk that quick? <laughs> I just taking a nap. What does that mean? My favorite was, how am I going to drive home? <laughs> I didn't realize I said that out loud. <laughs> you said it right into the microphone. You kidding me? <laughs> it wasn't like it was whispered off mic. Like you're like, man, how am I going to drive home? <laughs> <laughs> kidding me? It's funny because I thought about doing this week sober. And I was like, wait, no, I got to recapture this magic. Uh, no, let's start doing things sober. <laughs> I, that's what I would recommend. That was the best episode we've had in months. What are you talking about? Thanks to Pablo. You were all over the place. Was I? Weren't you? The, welcome to Cinepo. <laughs> you didn't like the Simon and Simon drops? You fucked him up constantly. You missed the timing of it each time. That's where I got in the podcast. When I listened earlier today. Is I just listened until we were about to bring Pablo on. <laughs> you kept fucking it up. I kept stopping and yelling into the ether. I could not imagine spending three hours on something that I didn't like after <laughs> 10 minutes. You don't like it. You are a weird individual to keep watching. What are you, nuts? <laughs> you dedicated a week of your life to dislike something? Get a hobby. Knit something. Go for a walk. <laughs> Previously on Cinephobe. How am I supposed to go back to the me before all of this pain? Excuse me? We're new in town and we've never had sex before. Would you give us a hand? I would have rather seen his cock. Out of way, Bobby! This episode in this movie exists. You bet your sweet ass I saw a lawnmower, man. Oh, Teddy. I'll call some guys from my neck of the woods. We're not talking, Brooke, about a couple of queens who know a few grapples. We're talking about Polacks that don't have a goddamn future. You have a stupid heart and a stupid brain. Regular Einstein. You think I'm a coward? You're wrong. I'm not a coward. You're the coward. I'm not a coward. I love cocaine. I do it all the time. I'm sorry, you guys. I don't mean fag like homosexual. I mean fag like retard. I got nukes shooting out of my dick right now. I've got so many nukes. Dick nukes. I mean, look at this buffet of ass. Mouth to dildo, dildo ass, ass to ass. Hi, Brent. Anal bees. I'm the goddamn talent, Maze. Look, Gene, I've never told anyone this before. My head! But I can suck my own dick. And I do it a lot. 1038. This movie is shit. You don't know shit. Holy shit, bro. I had the same note, too. I swear to God, both of you guys are the biggest fucking liars in the world. Howdy, howdy, howdy. You should have saved this for the train. All right, au revoir, Lubin. Lisa, solid. Oh, I mean, why don't you just be like a regular person and dream about regular threesomes? Like cones. Give me some soul, kisses, baby. Hey, beautiful. Oh, dang. Oh, oh. I can't indulge this comparison to a person that I mean may or may not know in a movie that has nothing to do with this podcast. That's some 20th century shit, bitch. We will tangle ass. Say hi to your mother for me. And you will lose. What's the end game? Okay, now everyone's dead. What is fucking Spence from Ballers? Who cares what the end game is? Garbage! I am Rav. McCavity! <laughs> Cinephobe. 
the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amin Al-Hassan. That's Anthony Mays. Reminder, patreon.com slash count the dings. If you want our golden dumpster episode that is Patreon exclusive, mm-hmm. our four Christmases episode from the holiday season, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, late Christmas, or if you want the game show Cinefeud oh. in which Amin and I battle each other in our own podcast trivia. Spoiler alert, we're really bad at it. You definitely want to listen to Cinefeud. I laughed my ass off. Maze, you did a great job with that. I laughed my ass off. We got to do it again, right? Yeah, we got to do another one. This is back when you didn't have Wi-Fi. You were using a 56K dial-up. Could hear it. Twentieth century, bitch. Twentieth <laughs> yeah. century, bitch. We were just on the internet all the time. You had to call the internet. Yo, internet. I'm on my way in, and you couldn't get a call if you were on the internet. You could. It would fuck everything up, though. Well, it, it depended on what you had. Yeah, some connections would allow that phone call to come through, and it ruin your internet connection. Some would just be blocked. I'm gonna really test the age of many of our listeners, and, and you. Well, definitely not Maze, but maybe you, Zach. Zach, do you remember CompuServe? Of course. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Hold on. Hold on. I mean, you got to be kidding me with this. This is the episode you bring up CompuServe? Yeah. I mean, we have a review from CompuServe. Really? Yes. I swear to God. There's no way you could have gotten this without looking up the reviews. That you would just mention CompuServe. No, it's because we started talking about dial-up modems and stuff, and I just started thinking about my first email address because there is a reference in this movie to email, which really shocked me. And, and so <laughs> I, I thought about my first email address, and my first okay. email address, remember, it used to be by your ISP, your internet service provider, yeah. and everyone had AOL, and for some reason, my parents went with CompuServe, <laughs> which you might say, like, oh, what's the big deal? It's all the same, right? No, because AOL allowed you to choose your own email address, right? Like, hey, ZestyZach at right. AOL.com, right? That's the way it was, ZestyZach. Yeah. <laughs> With multiple <laughs> Zs in there. CompuServe treated it like they were the phone company. So your email address was no shit, like 213-544-7285 at CompuServe.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder they're not in business anymore. I, d- I did not have AOL and I didn't have CompuServe. Net Zero? Did you have Net Zero? No, close. Netscape. And they gave you their own browser, Netscape Navigator. First place I looked up porn. 20th century, bitch. Yeah, 20th century, bitch. By the way, if you have a submission for this podcast, <laughs> you need to download the porn. You wouldn't even know if it was gay or straight until it was done downloading. Sometimes not until halfway through the porn. Taking penitentiary chances out here. You have a submission for movies on Cinephobe, not your Netscape porn. Reminder, it needs to be 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes for the audience score or the critic score. Can you imagine the porn version of this podcast? <laughs> Do they have like a Rotten Tomatoes? Cineporn? For porn? Pornophobe? Ooh. Look, let me tell you something, man. Not everything's uploaded. I do like the critiques. And like Cinephobe, sometimes there are poorly rated things where I'm like, that shit was dope. What are y'all talking <laughs> about? Oh, no, not the... <laughs> Porn rated under 40%. Find out whether or not it's good. Please not that. Yeah, I can't imagine. All right. January is Nick Cage month. So this week on Cinephobe, we watched the 1998 crime mystery thriller, Snake Eyes. 20th century, bitch. Yeah. Very 20th century movie. You got the same thing? Crime mystery thriller? Conspiracy thriller. What? No, I like it because there were more than five people involved in that. Thanks, Nick Cage. (laughs) 
<laughs> to explain I mean, what it takes for a conspiracy. That's the first time I knew that, that was there, there were minimum standards. I've seen this movie probably no shit 15 times, and I didn't know that that was what it took for a conspiracy until today. Snake Eyes stars Nicolas Cage, who at the time of this movie was on a run. Yeah, he had Con Air and Face Off in 1997. City of Angels in 1998 and 8mm in 1999. I made the comment at one point that, oh, this is when Nicolas Cage was still, like, trying to act. What do you mean? Like, he was still, like, a Hollywood... We just did jujitsu. Now, he's kind of become a caricature of himself. What? What are you talking about? But, like, this was, like, the heyday of, like, no, I'm a big-time actor. He is a big-time actor. Who big-time movies want to get me on. Yeah, this is the five-year run after the Oscar. Yep. Yep. What a run, man. We also get Gary Sinise and Carla Gugino. Lieutenant Dan! Thank you, guys. Gary had Ransom in 1996, and he would be in The Green Mile in 1999. And at the time, Carla Gugino had been in Spin City from 1996 to 1998. Do you know the name of her character on Spin City? Oh, man. No, I used to watch all the time, but I don't remember what the... Dude, it is the funniest shit ever. Her character's name is Ashley Schaefer. <laughs> BMW! Ashley Schaefer, BMW, Maze Clippin'! Who am I speaking to here? Ashley Schaefer, Ashley Schaefer, BMW. Damn, okay. fine to meet you. I take it you own this place. I sure do. That's why my name's on the goddamn building. I thought Ashley Schaefer was gonna be a woman. <laughs> I love women. I take that as a compliment. Take it as you will. I will. You take should. It. I am. I'm taking it. <laughs> I feel in my plums. Let the boy watch. <laughs> this is three years before Spy Kids, which I guess was Carla's like big breakout hit. Well, she was in Son in Law before this. Does that count? Well, I'm just trying to remember when she became like front page name. Yeah, I mean, I think the Spy Kids franchise is probably it. Also, she's in San Andreas. She is. She might be the all timer for me. To me, she always plays like the bitch wife. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't. I don't think so. American Gangster. She was fucking uh, That's what this is. Uh, Russell Crowe's bitch wife. What? Wow. what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got a two America situation here. Bro. <laughs> we'll be unsuccessful. <laughs> Frank, you can be unsuccessful in our friends. Successful and have enemies. I don't think she always plays the bitch wife. I'm not going to go that far. No. Yes, she does. She's the hot agent in Entourage. Oh, man, dude. Which is quite a turn. She's the hot everything and everything. Uh, Shit, no. Are you kidding me? I mean... No, you're out of your fucking mind. I will not stand for this bullshit. She's an all-timer, and she's such an all-timer. After this movie, I just looked up. I was like, how old is she? 49. Acceptable. All-timer. Yeah, absolutely. We also get John Hurd from Big and Home Alone. He's also a repeat offender. He was in White Chicks. She was in Night at the Museum. That's the movie where she was also the bitch wife. We get Stan Shaw from House Guest and Daylight. We get Kevin Dunn, who was Joel Hornick on Seinfeld, and we also know from Veep. Yeah, he's awesome on Veep. Who was he on Seinfeld? The asshole friend from Jerry's childhood who then like got them Knicks tickets and all this shit. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Raspoli, who plays Grandma in Rounders. Jackie Aprile on The Sopranos and Rudy Pippolo on The Deuce. Oh, yeah. Luis Guzman, who was coming off of uh, uh, Boogie Nights at the time. He's on a run, man. Yeah, yeah. Luis Guzman's got a hell of a career. How far off was Pluto Nash? <laughs> out of sight, one tough cop, the limey, bone collector, Magnolia, and eventually Pluto Nash. Yo, Luis Guzman, great actor. Oh, phenomenal actor. 
He's great on Community as himself. <laughs> you ever see those episodes? He was great. Yeah, the statue of him up front. Yeah, right? they're the statue. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mike Starr from Dumb and Dumber. He's the bad guy. He's the goon in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, he plays the surveillance guy, right? Yep. Mike Starr is also the guy that Michael Scott thinks is a mobster in The Office. And Chip Zian, who played Howard the Duck in Howard the Duck. No way! Future Cinephobe. Yeah, it is. Snake Eyes is directed by Brian De Palma. You know him from Scarface, Untouchables, Carlito's Way, Mission Impossible, and Domino. Does he have the most up-and-down career ever? What's the down part? And of course, the Frankie Goes to Hollywood Relax video. Relax, don't you ask when you want to go to ask. Relax, don't you ask when you want to go. He also wrote this movie, as he did in many of the movies, including Raising Kane and Femme Fatale. So David Kep gets a story and screenplay credit. He wrote on Toy Soldiers, Jurassic Park, Carlito's Way, Mission Impossible, Lost World, Jurassic Park, Spider-Man, Secret Window, War of the Worlds, and The Mummy with Tom Cruise. He's the ninth most successful screenwriter of all time in terms of box office, with just over $2.3 Synopsis for Snake Eyes. A shady police detective finds himself in the middle of a murder conspiracy at an important boxing match in an Atlantic City casino. Accurate. To quote uh, the great DJ Khaled. Tagline. We got a bunch of them, but here's the main tagline. Scene is deceiving. Okay. Other ones. A Brian De Palma film. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you know your dick is huge when like they ask, you want a tagline? Let them know that I fucked her. Believe everything except your eyes. All right. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that, but were the eyes really that deceived? Is there a lot of optical illusions? Uh, no, not really. I don't feel like there were that many optical illusions in this movie. Watch closely. Again, no, no. Now you see it. Now you don't. No, we didn't Ooh, no. see it though. <laughs> Oh. Now that's just another movie. Right. <laughs> that's just a shitty Jesse Eisenberg movie. That doesn't qualify. How does that not qualify? I, not even the sequel. The sequel doesn't even. I hate them both. That would have been the way to piss me off. The one with Harry Potter. The one with Harry Potter. <laughs> so fucking. Oh, Harry Potter. Now you see me qualifies. We're okay. The, okay. And last one. He's got 14,000 eyewitnesses and no one saw a thing. No, Everybody no, saw it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Seventy-three million dollar estimated budget, grossed fifty-five point five U.S. one hundred and three million worldwide. Of course, worldwide would not say no to that. Before listening to the rest of this podcast, if you don't want it spoiled, it is available on Cinemax Go, <laughs> which is not the same thing as HBO Max. In case you were wondering, it's also on demand with Directv, or you can rent it. Fuck you, HBO Max. You can have Max in your fucking name if you don't have any of the Cinemax in it. That's bullshit. Also, you could give me Wonder Woman? That piece of shit? What's happening yeah, crack right Crack that white claw, I mean. <laughs> Snake Eyes receives 41% from the critics on 66 reviews, but 35% from the audience on over 62,000 ratings. That's insane to me. I mean, would you like the positive or the negative reviews? Regale me with the positives, please. Wow, everybody's just thinking about the negative. Well, I think the glass is half full. Everybody thinking it's half empty. David Nusser of Real Film Reviews. Nusser. It's immediately impossible to mistake Snake Eyes for anything than a vintage De Palma thriller. <laughs> I mean, it's basically Scarface. <laughs> Rob Nelson of City Pages, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Put him in the full Nelson. <laughs> De Palma continues perfecting his brilliant visual style within the most blatantly artificial plot scenarios. 
That doesn't sound like a positive. That doesn't sound positive to me, right? I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Todd McCarthy of Variety. Oh, he's searching for all the reds. (laughs) Wispy threads of dramatic plausibility and character involvement unravel completely by the time of the incredibly silly final reel. Did you see Cage's outfit? That's not a wispy thread. There's nothing wispy about that. Andrew Saris of Observer. Saris is Jackson. I am for real. R E E L. <laughs> never loses. <laughs> never loses its bearings as it hovers between preposterous paranoia and a Billy Wilder like moral fable about a deeply flawed hero who draws a line in the sand beyond which he cannot go. Never loses its bearings. Oh, <laughs> not once. Not a once. Had them all. Paul Schrote of Slant Magazine. <laughs> Snake Eyes is about multiple perceptions of one major event, their relationship to each other, and to the audience. Thanks for your synopsis. Jeffrey M. Anderson of Combustible Celluloid. I, for one, like celluloid. Makes it real. That's different. Not that celluloid. Oh, okay. The first 20 minutes of Snake Eyes are among the most imaginative and energetic minutes of film I've seen in a while. Wait, if it's, the if it's, then why is it called Combust? Oh, never mind. I agree with that review. I thought you agreed with me. I was like, yeah. Nobody agrees with you. I don't know what you said. He was making a combust cellulite joke. I don't know. To Americans. Eugene Novakov of Film Blather. Instantly forgettable, but good fun while it lasts. Film Blather got its start during the Kennedy assassination. Did it? Didn't it? It was cinephobe. Leonard Schwartz of Palo Alto Weekly. A dazzling piece of entertainment. A mystery so cleverly constructed you find yourself wanting to see it again before it's over. Wait a second. No. What? Wait, 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 wait. No, forget it whether it's accurate or not. What does that mean? You want to see it again before it's even over. Before the movie's over, I'm like, I got to see this again? Because they couldn't figure it out for that long because it was such a good mystery. So then when they figured it out, they immediately wanted to go back and watch it again so they could see all the clues. There's only one movie I've ever watched where during the movie I was like, I want to watch this again. I need to watch this again. That was Wild Things. Surprisingly, does not qualify. Is that because you... (laughs) Missed part of it? No. Just wanted to jack it again. Nev Campbell or Denise Richards? Denise Richards. Get out of here. Or Matt Dillon. Ooh, I would go. Fuck, Mary kill. Okay, I'm I'm going to fuck Matt Dillon. I'm going to marry Denise Richards, and I'm going to kill Nev Campbell. Oh, man. Didn't Charlie Sheen do all those things? <laughs> <laughs> Margaret K. McKirk of Cincinnati Inquirer. Margaret did what to Kirk? It is a bravura display of acting oh, from Mr. Cage and equally dazzling work from director Brian De Palma. And then last positive review, Harvey S. Carton of CompuServe. <laughs> <laughs> that is the fakest, wow. fakest name. <laughs> Harvey S. Carton? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a fucking comic book name, right? <laughs> yes. It is a comic book name. That is the name of someone who just discovered the internet. <laughs> yes, through CompuServe, apparently. Discovered. What do you mean? <laughs> CompuServe. All right. The picture is itself a winner in most respects, flawed only by an overly rambunctious characterization by Nicolas Cage. Go fuck yourself, Harvey. At this point of time, my thought on critics not liking stuff is, then turn it off, you fucking weirdo. You have so <laughs> many options. People who watch... An entire project to hate on it? Man, it is so weird to me. Dragon Antulov. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> what, 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 Rough Riders is, is doing reviews now? Not Dragon. 
They call me Dragon. Is that a god? Oh no. Oh no. Dragon onto love of rec.arts.movies.reviews. Too many dots. Promises to be a masterpiece only to succumb to Hollywood mediocrity, just like its director. Suck and come again. James Rochi of Netflix. Ask me to Rochi. The film that not only made me give up on Brian De Palma, the man can't make a good movie anymore, but it also made me doubt the judgment of Nicolas Cage and Gary Sinise. Remember when Nicolas Cage's judgment was something to be cautiously doubted? No, I don't understand doubting it at all. I mean, like, you, you can break out a character every once in a while. He makes shitty movies. Jeffrey Westhoff of Northwest Herald, Crystal Lake, Illinois. <laughs> what? Snake Eyes that, opens mailing up. mailing address? <laughs> A letter to the editor? <laughs> Snake Eyes opens on a roll, but ultimately craps out. Oh, fuck you, pun guy. Robert Roten of Laramie Movie Scope. Oh, what did he Roten? Starts on a roll, but finally craps out. Really? Copy-paste on that? Robert Rotten. Bob Graham of San Francisco Chronicle. What might have been fascinating after a while becomes frustrating and finally a real slog. You sound like a Graham cracker. James Kendrick of Q Network Film Desk. K-Dot. Depo- De Palma makes the mistake of revealing the mastermind behind an assassination conspiracy before the movie is half over, thus leaving himself with nothing to work with. Ah! Bryant Fraser of Bryant Fraser's Deep Focus. If you were to review Brian De Palma's Snake Eyes in just one word, it would have to be the sound of air being let out of a balloon. Come on. That's already a bunch of words. Just do one word. Rob Blackwelder of Spliced Wire. I've never seen anything like it. It's not that you look back after the credits roll and realize where the movie went wrong. It happens right before your eyes. That's the tagline. Paul Tatara of CNN.com. Oh, I love the tuna Tatara. <laughs> the last five to ten minutes are completely stupid and add nothing to the film. Yes. Leamstream media. Bob Bloom of rec.arts.movies.reviews. Uh, what, what the fuck? De Palma's overuse of his point-of-view shots, especially his out-of-focus sequences with his nearsighted damsel in distress, adds nothing to the proceedings. Yeah. I'm with you there. Back-to-back POV movies, boys! I'm all right with the POV stuff. Uh, what I wasn't... I bet you are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's like I'm there. Gonzo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Miller! Uh, um, wow, that was a deep cut right there. They made, like, oh, she's nearsighted. I'm like, look, I'm nearsighted. I'm not that fucking bad. Yeah, she was blind as a bat and supposed to be 26 years old. Like, come on, man. Scott Renshaw of rec.arts.movies.reviews. Oh, he must be a blood. Renshaw. He dropped the C. Did you ever get the feeling that Brian De Palma's designs entire... Or do you ever get the feeling that Brian De Palma designs entire films around set pieces he thinks would be really cool? Yeah, he did that, and it is really cool. Ted Pridge of rec.arts.movies.reviews. Fuck oh, out of here. No, 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 no. no. What, did they send the whole fucking staff to go see this movie? The most aggravating kind of movie. The kind that shows so much potential then becomes unbelievably disappointing. Does Rec get a review and then Arts get a review and then Movies get a review? All right, just three more. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. It's the worst kind of bad film. The kind that gets you all worked up and then lets you down instead of just being lousy from the first shot. Ah, tease. Yeah, Roger Ebert got a hand job without the happy ending. Dennis Schwartz of Dennis Schwartz Movie Reviews. Schwartz is strong in this one. The camera is the only star of this film. And then last one, Susan Granger of rec.arts.movie.reviews. No. <laughs> no. 
It's all quite implausible, and the mindless contrived ending is infuriating. So in case you're wondering, that's one, two, three, four, five different reviews, five different negative reviews from rec.arts.movies.reviews that I can only assume they're trying to tank this fucking thing. Yeah, they're trying to wreck it. Didn't think it was arts. I I can't remember the name of the thing, so I can't (laughs) continue the joke. But what I'll say is, it's like they're the Captain Planet of awful fucking reviews. Voltron. I mean, what's your first note? I ask this question all the time. And the question I ask is, while the woman is doing a hit from outside the arena, while literally a hurricane is happening, she wonders aloud, why do we have to do this from outside? I could go really seriously dark with it, but I'm going to just say ESPN does this a lot where they have people at football games report from outdoors as if to prove that they're actually there. Like people are accusing them of like faking the moon landing or something. If the person is not standing outside the stadium or arena in the elements. So it's always been to me, just about the dumbest thing that we do in sports. Uh, And so when that lady said, it, I was like, Oh, that's a very nice inside baseball remark right there. We got thunder. We got a torrential downpour. We got a boxing match in Atlantic city. They're zooming in from local news to different TVs. Nick cage is interrupting actor Kevin Dunn before his TV hit. Cage is Rick Santoro. Was that the governor of Texas? No, it's Rick Santorum. That's oh, that shit. turd who they keep throwing on CNN. Dunn asks Rick to put $50 on Tyler for him. Cage ups it to 100 and then he sees video of the champ punching at a camera. Cage takes a call on a gold cell phone, bringing a girl a present. He won't give her a hint. So then says, you can't say that on a cell phone. Yummy. Yummy. It'll keep you warm. It's big, right? Or some shit like that. No, I already have one of those. He walks up to the champ's dressing room, sees grandma from rounders, screams, that's Tyler at the champ and gets the door closed in his face. Boxer's nickname is the AC Executioner. Executioner is a fantastic nickname. Who's executioner? Bernard Hopkins is the executioner, right? Remember he would show up to the ring with the hood on and stuff? Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, he was. Cage is putting five large on Tyler. Grandma wants the money up front, and they're haggling over the money. Being readily available, dressing room opens up, and Cage chases Luis Guzman down an escalator. Luis Guzman! Uh, He pulls out a badge, and Luis is locked in the room. He's bleeding from his hand, hands him bloody money. Cage then punches Luis, grabs the money out of his jacket, and steps on vials of drugs. I thought he wasn't really bleeding. I thought it was a ketchup packet. Was it? Wasn't it? Now he gives three grand to to grandma for the bet. Tyler comes down the escalator and Cage starts screaming about Neptune High. Tyler! Woo! Neptune High, right? Check it out, right here! Go see Devils! You and me, Tyler! Yeah! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Go! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Go Tyler! Whoa! Lincoln Tyler! Lincoln Tyler! Lincoln! I thought all of this was because he was undercover. Not realizing, no, this is his actual personality. He walks behind and then flirts with the ring girl. Says he'll make a phone call for her to work at a casino as a blackjack dealer. Lucky number seven. She's fucking thrilled about it, by the way. Oh, man, she couldn't be happier. And it's about this time that I realize that there hasn't been a cut and that it's one continuous take. There's a lot of that. We've watched so many horrendous movies on this show that this is the first time I've actually noticed something. That's cinematically impressive. So good job, Brian De Palma. There are some really good versions of this that happened in this movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great movie. He tracks down Gary Sinise ringside after taking another gold phone call. Damn. This time it's his baby mama calling and she's trying to figure out what kind of pizza to order. 
Not his baby mama. It's his wife, Maze. After talking to his girlfriend. Spoiler alert. He says he'll be home late, and then they start arguing about pizza orders he's not going to eat. I don't care. I'm not going to eat it. Just get the Supreme if it's easier. I wrote, this is all one shot, and it's glorious. 1917 stole from this movie. This movie stole from Goodfellas. Gary Sinise is in the military. He's running security for the Secretary of Defense, whom they announce to the crowd. Sinise has a tracker on everybody. Then Sinise and Cage do a walk and talk exposition around the ring about him being the godfather to Cage's son. Commander exposition. Well, uh, pardon my savoir faire, Admiral. Well, how's Angela? Fat, fantastic, I love her. What about her. the other one? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Candy? Uh, Monique, skinny, mean, expensive. <laughs> I love her. Keep saying it's fight night. Keep saying fight night about a thousand times. Cage is pumping his fist and screaming for Tyler in the ring. Then Sinise implies that he has more money than he should as a cop. And they discuss him cheating on his wife. And Sinise tells him that his wife likes to talk during sex. Last night, she called him from the hotel. Hi-oh. I laughed at this. When he's cheering for Tyler, he says, yeah, baby, go, baby, yeah. And I was wondering if it was an Austin Powers thing, because that came out in 97. Mm. Yeah, baby. That was awful. Yeah. There's a redhead sitting by herself ringside gets Gary Sinise's attention. Sinise says Cage should be in D.C. Sexy lady, what's the problem? Sexy. That counts as sexy in 1999. In Atlantic City? I don't give a fuck what city. We built this city. I was like, oh, she looks like a fucking rooster. (laughs) Not to raise his son in Atlantic City. All right, all right. You got to fix my life later. I got money on this. I want to stay in a good mood. You know, keep positive because this is fight night. Don't make Michael grow up here. This isn't a beach town anymore. It's a sewer. But it's my sewer, Jiminy. And I love it. I kick around about six square blocks. Everybody knows me. I got the whole town wired. Someday if I manage to get my face on TV a few times, maybe I'll run for mayor or something. But that's as far as I want to go. Because I was made for this sewer, baby, and I am the king! <laughs> the bell rings just beautifully right when he says this line. Could you imagine the timing? It's fight night! <laughs> One shot going from Sinise to the redhead. She's not watching the fight. He goes to talk to her. Something happens in the fight to distract him, and she bolts. Gage gets a phone call, and it's his girlfriend. He gets another call. It's his wife. This dude answers every fucking call. You know people like that. They can't not answer a phone call. You cannot answer a phone call. His wife is still trying to figure out how to order this pizza, by the way. Women, am I right? He hangs up on both of them. Carla Gugino sits down next to him, looking like everything. It's just all right. She puts her ass in his face, and he says, yeah, Hey, I dig affection, baby, but not while I'm driving. I don't, I don't understand. I didn't that. get that line. Yeah. Cage is flirting hard. She turns around to talk to the Secretary of Defense. It's still one shot. Cage screams about a headbutt in the fight. A drunk guy screams, Here comes the pain. And then next thing we know, Tyler's down. Carlos says the secretary will be sorry. Cage gets a phone call, says, where are you? My lucky number. Another call. Then we hear a gunshot and Cage has blood splattered on him. Why did she call him? That's never explained, right? Because I thought she was part of the conspiracy. Right. That's why she called him. Spoiler alert. To like distract him so he would get out of the way or whatever. It was just a device so that we would be looking in the direction of the assassin. But also, why would she call him while waving the seventh round cue card when it is long before the seventh round? Also, why the fuck was she all the way, like halfway up the stands with that thing? Yeah, oh, wouldn't you be downstairs? And also, the geography of this arena, very confusing. I've been in a lot of arenas, ladies and gentlemen. G League arenas, convention centers, NBA arenas, football stadiums. I've never seen a layout like this before in my life. But they demolished this arena, I mean. Yeah, that's true. It's the last of its kind. I've been to the Palestra. That shit is old as fuck. It's not built like that. 20th century, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Early 20th century. 
All right, the secretary is down. Carla gets hit in the arm. He tackles her to the floor. Her wig comes off. She can't find her glasses. Those glasses get smashed. She's like fucking Millhouse. <laughs> you ever seen Millhouse when his glasses get yeah. fucked up? My glasses. <laughs> start fucking crawling on hands and knees. She grabs an envelope. We hear more gunshots. <laughs> she sees Tyler in the ring get up to look, then pretends to be knocked out again. Cage looks beyond the ring, sees gunshots. The other boxer is dancing around the ring He's, yo. to his own victory unfazed by murder and assassination when we get the full tape of the fight i fucking love this guy i've always said my two favorite fighters ever muhammad ali mike tyson move over it's this guy (laughs) whatever his name is ruiz let's see people are fleeing the arena cage screams to gary that the secretary is down cage punches a photographer cage tells gary what happened they're shutting down the arena Carla is covered in blood, trying to get out. Security won't let her leave. She runs off. Security is terrible in this movie, by the way. Absolutely terrible. He's going to let this woman drenched in blood in her all-white outfit. Just walk away. That's all she she didn't run. No, not even walk away, like a light jog. Gary's freaking out that the secretary is going to die. Cage says to pull it together. Cage says he's not going to let him get court-martialed. Asked why he was out of position. It's the redhead. Cage says, no, you call her suspicious character. It was dereliction of duty and gross negligence. He killed the assassin. He saved the day. That's how they'll spin it. Screw procedure. You saved the day. This pep talk that he's given, acting his ass off. Of course. Yeah, he says he has ass covering experience, which makes sense because he never has an ass. Right, exactly. So he's got to cover it. The pivotal line is, it isn't lying. Just tell them what you did right and leave out the rest and... Well, I got to tell you, relationship advice from Amin. Anytime you can tell the truth, nothing but the truth, but leave out the whole truth. You're fucking in the clear. You can always walk in a relationship. I never lie. To, I never lie to you. Truth by omission, man. It's the way to go. And this has been relationship advice with Amin. Cage uh, says gaming enforcement will try to muscle them. But he won't let it happen. No one's going to co-sign that one? Need to keep the media out of this. FBI will be there in an hour or so. He says he isn't lying. Just tell him what he did right. They got the rest. I thought you said Aaron doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> Cage spins <laughs> She doesn't. Cage spins it to gaming enforcement. He's fucking acting his ass off. He's throwing it down. Who are you? Atlantic City, major crime. I'll take it now. No bullshit you will. This isn't my blood, all right? It's the secretary's. I was sitting right in front of him. I'm a homicide detective and a material witness. This is mine about six different AC ways. AC cops got no business in the casino. This is strictly DGE and state police. We're you not on the that. casino floor, Gordo. And this arena ain't the millennium yet. It's Atlantic City, New Jersey, and that belongs to me. I'm acting case agent until relieved by appropriate federal authority. Now, you want to help? You go tell your men to get all the media out of here right now. Unless you want the 9 o'clock news to give the secretary's wife and kids a close-up look at his internal organs. Phil, Jim, make this whole arena a crime scene. Shut it down. Nobody goes in or out until the main investigating party gets here. You're the ones that tell them to seal the doors? You can't hold 14,000 people in these goddamn exit tunnels. Yes, we did, and yes, we can. Those are 14,000 eyewitnesses! He outshouts this gaming enforcement cop like no other. Cage explains that Carla took the envelope and explains what she looks like. Actor Kevin Dunn. So here's the confusing thing that it took me like an hour in this movie to figure out. Kevin Dunn is the name of Gary Sinise's character. Kevin Dunn is also the actor from Veep. Great trivia on this. This is a very easy thing. Call him Lieutenant Dan. And then it's easy because he's already in the military. So it already fits. Right. I call him Lieutenant Dan throughout all my notes. Even though I knew his name is Gary Sinise. 
I'm sorry, bro. You're going to be Lieutenant Dan for life now. Kevin Dunn wants to be the pool reporter. Get out of the pay-per-view shit. He's trying to get a career boost. This is how Rather got his big break during the Kennedy assassination, which is a true fact. Is that true? I didn't know that. Dan Rather was like a local Dallas reporter who became national during the Kennedy assassination. This reminds me of Swordfish, where they said that Thomas Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're fucking making shit up of me. They made that shit up, and it literally started the urban legend that Thomas Jefferson did that shit solely based off the movie, which is amazing. So I thought the same thing was at play here. He's going to get Cage five grand an hour. Cage gives him the chance to be that guy. Cage is the Stugats of Cops. <laughs> and it goes on. It gets oh, he's better. As the movie. Oh, my God. He is he's... Stugats through and through. If Stugats was a cop. He would be Nicolas Cage in this movie. Also, if Stu got to the cop, he would definitely be stationed in Atlantic City. Working the fight. A hundred percent. Undercover. Yes. <laughs> Undercover screaming, I'm a cop. <laughs> trying Sc- to get into trying to get into the fighters dressing rooms. <laughs> screaming that they went to high school together, whether that's true yeah. or not. <laughs> exactly. Carla steals a jacket off the table, walks into a bathroom to change. Again, covered in blood. No one seems to care. Um, Cage is going over. It's that time of the month. Cage is going over fight footage. (laughs) I was going to say welcome to Cinnabon. (laughs) He wants to see the knockout punch. He's looking at all angles and turns out the punch never landed. Airball, what kind of a sea devil is that? Before the punch not landing was made uh, obvious to us, I wrote, this boxer getting knocked to get knocked out is acting his ass off. Because <laughs> the swim move he does with his arms. Oh, whoa, man, he does yeah. I don't know if you guys, either you guys watch Impractical Jokers. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's, there's an episode where they're working at a restaurant behind the counter and they tell Joe, Joe. You have to act like the floor is really slippery every time you come out. <laughs> so he He's walks just out. his arms like a dolphin. Whoa! He does that stupid ass, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what the boxer looked like. Back to Carla in the bathroom, clean herself up best she can. Now Cage goes to talk to Tyler. There's a hole in the wall. When he walks into the dressing room, he sees the, the wall punch under a stuffed lion head. And he goes, wow. And it sounded like Owen Wilson doing meow. <laughs> Wow. 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 Cage walks in doing a champ cheer, tells Tyler they went to high school together. Tyler keeps saying he doesn't know him. He asks for an autograph. I think it would show more respect if you address my client as Mr. Tyler. I'll call him Mr. T. The night he beat Rocky Balboa, if he wants. He's a bad pony. I don't have to tell you, right? Starts letting them know he saw the bookie come out of that dressing room. Asks how much they lost or won. Tyler says the fighter fought furiously. He's never been knocked out. Oh, excuse me, Lincoln. Would you drink a glass of water or something? You're lying so much, your mouth dried up, and you're making that funny, that smacking sound. The manager tells him to watch who he's talking to. Tyler wants to know if the secretary is dead. Cage says, um, the smart money ain't on him. Cage talks about Sonny Liston taking a dive against Ali. Flop! Splat! That's you! Detective, you either arrest him or I'm going to ask you to leave. What would I arrest him for? What would I arrest you for? Getting up too quick? Uh, What? What?! Come on, I saw you and you saw me. And don't pretend like you don't know who I am, girly man. You want to look like a knockout, but when you heard the gunshots, your eyes were open in half a second. Now you fall, totally understandable reaction, but it kind of ruined the performance, don't you think? Look, what the hell do you want from me? The man knocked me out! I looked at the fight tape, Lincoln! Yeah! 
It was a phantom punch! A little bad Hollywood acting, but the Athletic Commission might find it interesting. And a second after you go down, an assassin fires. Well, that's some coincidence. I guess they don't call you the executioner for nothing! And you signed my kid's autograph! Tyler clears out his entire entourage from the room. It's just him and Cage. He signs the autograph to Michael. Carla is trying to find a way out. Announcement that everybody's name and address needs to be recorded before they leave. She runs into a pole because she can't see and she's fucking Mr. Magoo. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and then as she walks back to the ringside, there's police commotion and she tries to escape. Her walking into that fucking pole. Oh my God, it's so funny. Kills me, man. I didn't realize that they were emphasizing that she was blind. (laughs) It was blue. It was so blue. How do you miss the door that bad? Tyler says that Ruiz fights like a bitch. Cage says, you threw the fight. He says, if I say yes, can we cut some kind of deal? Cage just wants his money back. He says, they didn't tell me they're going to kill someone. He says, he just gave away the one thing that makes him him. The heavyweight championship. He doesn't know who he is anymore. Then we get a flashback to pre-fight. We get Tyler's perspective on the people partying, Grandma talking to the manager about throwing the fight, and he's heavy in debt to the casino. This scene is so fucking well shot because not only is it one continuous shot, but it's shot POV. Maybe cage month is just POV month. This is the hardest shot because it's one long continuous shot. It's POV, but at some point it switches from POV to regular. I don't know what that fucking shit is called, but it doesn't cut. It's still the continuous shot. So they literally had the dude under the cameraman throwing the boxing gloves, punching, and then at some point stepping out from under it and stepping to the side. Very well done. I was very impressed. And it's the reverse of the shot earlier with Nick Cage coming through the door chasing Luis Guzman. Do you think it was the shot at the same time or did he just redo it? I think that's how you end up with a $73 million budget. They shot it separately because... The other shot was also a long take. So, like, just doing that was enough of a setup. Grandma bolts. We see Cage from earlier screaming, that's Tyler. Manager tells him not to do this. That's when uh, Tyler punches the hole in the wall. Meow. Uh, Luis gets a wad of cash. And then we see him leaving from there and and being chased by Cage. So, the money is funny because it goes from Mickey to Cyrus to Cage to JG (laughs) real fast. And, like, probably, like, five minutes. Changes hands four times. How much was he into the casinos for? enough but drop this one and everything would be squared away get a rematch they're gonna make more money off that they're gonna let him know during the fight here comes the pain guy had an earpiece in that was the signal the fighter taunting him is fucking (laughs) hilarious nobody would ever preen that much in a heavyweight fight like that's not how this works like he was gonna bullshit me to death (laughs) both of these guys have so much jiggle in them it reminds me of the fat guy that beat Joshua. Not Joshua. Who's the heavyweight that, that lost? Or was Joshua, right? That lost to the big fat guy? Wasn't that guy also named Ruiz? I believe so. Yeah, I think he was named Ruiz. Anthony Ruiz. Was this a premonition? Both of them were fat. Holy shit. The jiggle was everywhere. I'm like, guys, what are we doing here? We couldn't find like two in-shape boxes? Yo, he's bouncing around. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he almost knocked him out. Tyler looks so worried as he's waiting for this guy to get back up he's kind of emoting his ass off i felt his worry then we see the headbutt ref almost stopped the fight and the signal to throw the fight comes by the time he realized he didn't connect on the punch he was too far into acting his ass off (laughs) he's back into the ropes i was already in the corner then we see him react to the gunshot and cage sees him 
Nobody was supposed to die, though. She never said anything about that. It was the ginger lady. <laughs> he says, you hear that storm out there? I wish it would blow this hotel down. And Cage's like, what? What are you talking about? Let's talk about the story. Hurricane Jezebel. Everybody's talking about it. Gary's on TV with Dunn, showing evidence. Secretary was taken to the medical center. Security says they can't find her to Gary trying to look for Carla. The evidence is that it was a Palestinian and he holds up like a printout of the dude's yeah. mug shots, writing threatening letters expressing outrage over missiles and weaponry being sold to Israel. And I was like, oh yeah, we're right in the heart of the Palestine is the enemy <laughs> of these movies window. Oh, don't you love pre 9-11 terrorism? It was oh, so man, fucking the benign. Days. A guy shot somebody. Oh my gosh. Ooh, very scary. Now it's like, Fuck, these are trying to eliminate the entire United States at once. <laughs> That's the plot of every terrorist movie now. Like, back then, it was like, he shot someone. One dude got assassinated. Now it's everybody gets assassinated. Cage and Gary go to talk privately. He shares the info about what Tyler said, and then he names five potential people and lets us know that's what makes a conspiracy. That's it. No, one handful. A compulsive gambler who admits he took a dive might not turn out to be the best witness it's in the world. It's not just him. Now, I'm betting that the redhead you follow is the same person who told Tyler to throw the fight. She's one. Shooter's two. Tyler's three. The drunk who shouted the signal's four. And whoever was on the other end of that radio was five. Five people make a conspiracy, right? Evidence Gary flashes is the suicide note. Find out about something called the Norfolk test. I fly into the arms of a law and shit like that. Which, I'm going to say this right now. Lieutenant Dan made the Norfolk test sound like some real fucked up shit that happened. Because like, yo, I could really get in a lot of trouble for this. Ends up telling us this long ass boring story, which ends up the thing that he could get in trouble for was staring at this chick's tits. Right. But you know what's funny? Never in my life, and maybe I'm saying a lot about myself here, never in my life have I had a woman speak to me while she touched her tits ever so gently like that. Like, that just doesn't happen. Even with women I've had sex with. They don't, like, talk to me, like, like in a hallway, like, so, I mean, uh, what's happening later as they fondly fondle their nipples well there you go i mean you should have followed your intuition and known that that couldn't have happened so sinise was lying right oh, spoiler it's happened to me though has it hasn't it when sinise is asking if he can confide in him cage says loyalty is my only vice don't believe him caught up to her in the concourse they're talking blah 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 then we see the pov of him shoot the guy pretty blindly Right? Like, he just <laughs> fires into that thing. That POV perspective. I was three feet away from a known terrorist. And I had my eyes buried in some broad's tits. Well, Kevin, this might not make you feel better, but don't you see? That's what she was there for. That was the plan. To give you a boner. <laughs> and you got one. Congratulations, you're human. Gary says to get their hands on the redhead or Carla or the guy who gave the signal, he'll double check with security cages, checking casinos, bitching technology security system. They got cameras all over the place. Just bitching. Bitching. That's a very 20th century white guy thing to say. Bitching? That something's bitching. Oh my God. That America in the 20th century, I mean, everything was bitching. <laughs> Gary goes to an authorized personnel area and looks disturbed. And that's when we find out Gary's in on it. Plot twist. Yeah, in case you weren't sure, the music gets ominous and he goes into a stairwell bathed in red light. The redhead and the signal guy are in different clothes now. Different hair. They should have been out of there 11 minutes ago, according to plan. He says a local cop made both of them. Can't take the cop out, though, and he has a contingency plan. 
something about hating to shoot good soldiers or something like that. And then he kills them both. While the signal dude's like, I've been shot. I've been shot. I'm shot. I thought he was talking on the radio. Oh, shit. You should have shot him well the first time because this nigga's snitching. And then I realized, no, this is his way of kind of like being in shock about being shot. So he's going to speak very formally to Gary Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, and tell him, uh, man down, pimp in distress, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, you can't say man down to the guy that put you down. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't work. Exposition until he breathes his last breath. <laughs> Cage is talking to the goon from Dumb and Dumber going over the security footage. Dying exposition is a great fucking... <laughs> they miss- <laughs> I've been badly hurt. <laughs> <I think> <laughs> They miss Carla on the camera as they watch someone stealing money from a slot player. Carla watches Gary on TV in the sportsbook area. She can't see the guy asking her about betting on a horse race. She starts flirting heavy with this dude after seeing a hooker trying to pick up another dude. Asks if he has air conditioning in his room. It's Craig from Malcolm in the Middle. Is that who that Never is? Never watched it. It's the mom's coworker who has a weird crush on her. Oh. And he's playing the same character. You know who I thought he looked like? Uh-oh. He looked like josh gad in the past in the future okay that one's not that bad <laughs> yeah that one this is the first white comparison you've made that makes sense i'll give that to you there i thought you were gonna say wayne knight no come on man i know what New- newman looks like <laughs> she is standing so close to him man she is so nearsighted gary needs to talk to tyler montage of cage looking at footage dead guys being bagged up and then they see carla on the camera and they think it's a hooker cage sees the face and says it's her Cage is going to find them as they walk towards the elevator. Security is after her, too. Craig from Malcolm in the Middle is grabbing all kinds of ass. Oh, yeah. He's going for it. On the casino floor. Damn, how bad is her eyesight? She's standing two inches from him when they're talking. (laughs) It's it's still blurry. Is that how nearsighted works? (laughs) No, it's not. The next note, this is sort of like the chase scene from Next. I was thinking that his casino surveillance experience paid off in Next. Absolutely. Gary's after her. Cage hits the casino floor. He knows about the bitch and technology. <laughs> Everybody is converging. Also, by the way, I miss Vegas. Oh, man. Like this whole scene with a casino floor and shit. I won't lie, man. Oh, it's it fantastic, man. All right, everybody's converging on them. Carla tells the guy that she wants to go upstairs. He playing some slot game. She gets him to leave immediately as Cage screams, hey. Then they just get in the elevator as he walks up. But in the same elevator as Gary Sinise, Gary pushes the top floor. 38. They're going 35. Security finds footage of the ID from the guy, checks the hotel for the name so they can get the room. Enhance. Some amazing video work from Walt here. Oh, my God. But didn't use the word enhance, though. Gotta say enhance. You have to say enhance. But he also zoomed in on the wedding ring, which I love. Yeah, he did. That was just a little bit of surveillance exposition there. <laughs> so they get off on, on floor 35. He goes up to floor 36 and then hits the stairs to walk back down. Why not just hold the elevator door and then walk out? No, no, no. I like that. All right. That's, I think about that all the time in the movies. Like, yo, that's how you play it off. Cage knows the room number. Gary doesn't. She pushes him into the room. And she still can't see for shit. Gary Sinise runs into some random bros with a keg. And I was just wondering, how the fuck do you get a keg in an Atlantic City hotel? It's a great cool. I've never been to Atlantic City. I just assume it's international waters. It is Atlantic City, yeah. You just walk in? No, I just figure Atlantic City is like, it's like the redneck fucking Vegas. Also, if your eyesight is that bad, maybe, just maybe like 
contacts should be in your future. I mean, she probably wasn't expecting her glasses to get broken. Yo, you gonna run that risk? You might lose your life. I have perfect eyesight. I've never had to consider it. I don't know. She wore a fucking disguise. She wore a wig. All right. And glasses. This is role playing. I think your vision is too poor to have contacts. That would be like putting like a one inch thick piece of glass on your eyeball. Well, welcome to my world. Overhead shot above all the hotel rooms, looking down into the room, panning over, people fucking, dude passed out, bros spraying each other with beer. They are... They, Hold on. Their room is... Like they won the fucking NBA title. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They've got pizza, they've got porn. Bro, whoa, no, 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 no. You guys are skipping ahead. The first room that we get an overhead on is a chick on the floor in her panties and bra her legs on this dude's shoulder and he's watching i shit you not the weather channel <laughs> trying to get the latest what well, there is a hurricane man so she's like come on you care more about the hurricane and he says so what i'm hot come on oh you want to play i'll give you a little hurricane <laughs> and then he makes the motorboat noise which the closed captioning deemed as blubbering starts blubbering then the next room in the overhead is the sausage party and that's what you guys are describing it's seven or eight bros fucking spraying beers all over each other not a stripper in sight they're just you know what i enjoy your company question are the keg guys coming from that room or going to that room that has to be the same group that's got to be the room it's got to be the same room right although it is atlantic city are we saying that there can't be multiple although i think they are spraying cans of beer if they have a keg <laughs> well the keg's on the way that's what you do while you wait for the keg last but not least as we get to josh gad's room the overhead of her in the bathroom and i looked at it and i said god damn 90s decor was so terrible look at this bathroom it's like purple with a mar- pink marble sink and a gold faucet. I'm like, why? Why did it take so long to figure out just solid, sleek, that's cool, simple, that's the best looking thing, right? In the same way that I thought, why did it take up until like 1600 for humans to know how to draw people? Think about like humans have been around for like six thousand years. Whatever. Like you brought this up on something recently. I think this was. You didn't you just do this on jujitsu? I might have. I'm just trying. Yeah, I did do it on jujitsu. Why the fuck did it take so long to figure out a flat fucking sink with a regular ass faucet, gray, white, chrome? Boom, we're done. Like, why were we dabbling with purple and pink and fucking gold as decors for for interior decorating? I mean, I don't know. It's Atlantic City, also though. In the 20th century. Atlantic City in the 20th century. Bitch. I'm looking at houses right now. It ain't just Atlantic City. Weird flex, but okay. Carla's guy is banging on the wall for them to shut up as she cleans the blood off the jacket in the bathroom. She puts on his dress shirt and she's resisting him. He thinks as she resists and drops down to a chair that she wants to suck his dick. Oh, okay. And unzips his pants. Gary Gary hears him scream at her. After she says that she just needed a place to stay. What do you think this is? A bus stop? That doesn't make any sense. He says he's a happily married man, puts his wedding ring back on. He throws her out into the hallway and Cage is there. Then Cage walks her back into the room and throws the fat guy into the hallway. 
Cage tells her to calm down and they'll talk. He's storming off. And that's when Gary asks him which room this just happened in. He says, there I am writing a letter to my lovely wife. And some guy busts in. (laughs) There I am minding my business. Best fake lie. (laughs) Writing a letter to my wife. This is the dumbest (laughs) lie. Dear. No one cares. Gladys. This hotel sucks. They walk into the room. Gary has a gun out. Cage and Carla are already in a stairwell. How did they escape? Where did they go? I was so confused by that. She says she doesn't know what she's doing. And he's not interested in what she doesn't know. He's interested in what she does know. Mm, don't we all? She works at like a air defense company, puts together ballistic reports for missiles. Yeah, she works at Powell Aircraft, which is owned by the same guy that owns the hotel. She's tracking test results. They're perfect. They're never perfect. She wrote a secretary about the doctored results in an email. An anonymous email. Now, that's why I got shocked. I was staggered. Well, if it was 2113478 at CompuServe, then, you know, it's yeah. kind of anonymous. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> that's a good point. Also, Secretary of Defense's email is just available? Just out there. Well, it was 20th century, bitch. It was a different time for... And he checks it. Yeah. Uh, we get her POV of everything that happened during the fight. She saw the coordination of Gary, the redhead, and the shooter. Cage says it couldn't be true. Shows the shooter getting into position, split screen with Carla sitting next to the cage and talking to the secretary. We get their conversation about the satellite infrareds, signals given, fake punch. Carla gives the information he needs, phone call, and then the gunshot. Gary kills the shooter, plants a suicide note. Cage doesn't believe it. Who the hell do you think you are, lady? Sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. You were a number cruncher. Just crunch the goddamn numbers. Uh... I was doing my job. I mean, we, we were creating a defense system that was supposed to save people's lives. They're oh. building the factory oh. in a disadvantaged part right. of the state. This was a good thing to do. It was a good thing to do. Jesus, somebody hands you a line, you just swallow it whole, don't you? Just a little goody two shoes. You think he doesn't believe it, or do you think he does believe it and he's upset that she's given him? Oh, he's pissed. Yeah, the knowledge. Like, I didn't want to know this. Yo, you tell Stu Gotts about a, a crime he didn't want to know about. He's going to be mad he knows about the crime now. No, Stu Gotts. Nah, he's actually just going to be mad he didn't do the crime. This is actually the part where, like, him and Stu Gotts kind of separate because Stu Gotts would not care. This is where they diverge, right? Yeah. He says the email let him know that the, she was coming. They didn't miss him with the second shot. They missed her. I think that's in the trailer. She wants him to get her outside. Look, I'm sorry if I... Who gives a shit if you're sorry? What are you mad at me for? Because I didn't have to know! You decided to have this problem, not me! My world would have gone on turning just fine, but now either way I look, I have to do something I don't want to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do not want to do this! She's 26, has a mother, no man. He says Kevin Dunn, Gary Sinise, is honorable. And that's when I wrote the note. We have an actor named Kevin Dunn and a character played by someone else named Kevin Dunn. You just figured that out at that point. He is one of the most honorable dudes on the planet. She's saying she could be wrong now that she thinks about it. Couldn't focus because of the glasses. And then he says they didn't come off until after the gunshots. Realize she can't stick to a story. Fight promoter is in on it too. The guy who owns the whole casino. That's when we find that out. Talking to Gary uh, about Nick Cage. Mr. McAllister is mad at Cage's involvement. And Gary says not to panic. Chasing it down? You said he'd sit back. This doesn't sound like sitting back. Promoter was there to get money to finish the hotel and the casino project. Gary lets him know they've had some acceptable losses. That's when Mr. McAllister wants to know if he's on that list too. Yo, wasn't he also the dad from fucking Home Alone? That's why I just called him Mr. McAllister. That is the joke that he's making. Oh, I thought his name was McAllister. I'm sorry. 
Powell then opens up the exposition <laughs> casino and resort, <laughs> re-explaining how everything was supposed to go. Oh, my God. It was a good plan. No humiliation, no scandal, no prison. I forgot that his name wasn't McAllister. Stu, I'm doing a bit. Get down. Cage takes Carlin to a place to hide. He'll be back in 10 to take her out to the casino. Locks her in that area. Actor Kevin Dunn brings Cage to five grand. Cage is now ringside again, reliving the moments. A lot of reused footage in this movie as well. Eddie play thinks back to the phone call sees a mini blimp in the arena as the mini blimp flies around in the background you know there's a lot of product placement in terms of signage in yeah this movie. a lot of love for miller but one of the things i saw was all sport you guys remember all sport oh man yes do i that was the gatorade competitor that pepsi made yeah before pepsi just said fuck it we'll buy gatorade right and so all sport was sponsored by like their big spokesman was shaq do you remember the all sport ads, Zach? I don't. Shaq plays a grandpa himself, but in the future. And his grandson says, Grandpa, what was life like before all sport? And it just shows Shaq doing all this ridiculous shit, like averaging 117 points a game, whatever. At the end of the ad, is it? And then they put in the moving basket. <laughs> he goes up to dunk and literally the basket just. It just pivots away. Oh, I do remember. I think the kid was on Full House. He was like their friend on Full House, like the black kid, like the black friend. The kid was in everything. Got to be black. Well, I mean, he's the only black person on that show. So, yes. Very progressive, though, for them to have a black friend. In San Francisco, no less. Yeah, I know. You know how that place is. All right. Wait, does he live in Oakland? (laughs) The show? (laughs) It's just Tyrone, our friend from Oakland. They were so they were so anti-diversity that the one time that they were going to try to go to Oakland, they ended up in Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that episode. <laughs> Only the games op dude knows about the zero gravity flying eye blimp. Cage wants to see that's tape, needs to look at this part alone, kicks the dude out. And I wrote, this movie is big on kicking people out of rooms. Or locking them in. You know, double-edged sword, as they call it. Sees Gary on the footage. Gary walks in. Don't give me that wounded look. You don't have the face for it. Mm. announcement from Mr. McAllister of the death of the secretaries on TV. Gary turns up the volume as Mr. McAllister delivers crocodile tears and threatens those who terrorize the U.S. We are not deterred. That's called the first draft of history. Gary says he needed Cage to back up his alibi and knew that he could be bought if anything went wrong. Never thought he'd get as far as he did in the investigation. And Nick Cage is hurt. They're best friends. Would have done anything for him. Mm. But he won't tell him where Carla is. Gary tells his story of a missile hitting a sub. Admiral Exposition comes back. He's acting his ass off. I'm going to tell you who's acting his ass off. It ain't Lieutenant Dan. It's Cage. Of course it is. Not in the whole scene. Oh. Just in the moment when he lights where he's cigarette. lighting the cigarette. Oh, my you God. You bet. His hands are trembling. Shaking. More than Howard Cosell on the phone and Johnny B. Good. I would have fixed the system, not abandoned it. Michael J. Fox over here. <laughs> Defense spending was cut. Secretary put them in a position to fail and die. How's that for Spin City? Over political games. Tells Cage to name his price. Offers up a million dollars. You hit the jackpot here. And he's playing the wife card as Cage fires up that cigarette. So, okay, here's the question. You find out that you, one of your really good friends, one of your best friend perhaps, is actually at the center of a government conspiracy that sure is going to murder this innocent woman. But other than that, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what are the casualties we're talking about here? 
the Secretary of Defense, he was a douchebag anyway. It was a fame whore or whatever. So my question is, if your best friend was at center of a government conspiracy that says to you, keep this quiet and here's a million dollars, obviously tax-free. Man. Would you go along? I don't know that I would trust it. At that point, can you trust him? At that point, I would say no. But later on, it's like, no, he actually was going to fucking look out for him. So let, let's for now just assume that this dude is not going to fucking double cross you. Like, it's literally just a question of the money or your morals. What would you do? But they complicate the moral situation with the whole incident aboard the USS Exposition. <laughs> they make you see Sinise's side there. You know, you ever listen to a man drowning? They don't die quietly. He still hears those screams. Sounds like you got an answer. I gotta be honest, there are two times in this movie where Gary Sinise is telling a story about some shit that happened in the military. I zoned out both times. It's a boring <laughs> ass story. Me too. All right? Me too. And then he Absolutely. lost his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan! Also, I mean, the other factor is Rick Santoro is a corrupt ass motherfucker. Like, yeah! Yeah, I mean, if I'm him, I'm definitely taking the money. 100%. No, I'm not asking him in that, in that I'm talking about you, Zach Harper, you, Anthony Mays. I'm taking the money, and then I'm buying a million-dollar gun to protect myself. <laughs> what a terrible investment. Where you don't have any money left for bullets. <laughs> what? Oh, fuck. I'm buying a $1 million gun minus however much it costs to get a bullet for it. One bullet. Don't take one extra step towards me. I'll do it. It's like, he's right, boy. That's a million-dollar gun. Wait a second. It's a million-dollar gun. Maze, what are you going to do? I'm taking it. Really? Pretty much if anybody offers me a million dollars. There's like a slight side here where Gary Sinise is in the right. So for moral reasons or whatever. So I would go with that. And then I would get the fuck out of there. Wow. Wow. I'm just waiting for Mr. It's not lying if you just omit the truth to say, oh, I'm going with my morals. Mace just said, like, anyone offers a million dollars, I'm going along. <laughs> Pretty much. It would it would take a lot. If they're just giving it to me and all I have to do is not talk about something that they did. Jared from Subway. It's a long-ass fucking pause right there. Like a moment of silence. You know, it's funny. I know what Maze is trying to do, but he doesn't understand. It's coming across like, you're really, oh, million dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, throw on the Jeopardy music, Maze. I, 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 I already watched the, I watched the video. I mean, at this point, it's a little too late, isn't it? I mean, it's not going to save anybody. <laughs> He's a bloody hundred on the floor. <laughs> says he never killed anybody. Gary says, just tell him where Carla is. He'll take care of it. I never killed nobody. Then he's erasing the footage from the blimp on what I think is an Atari controller. I couldn't really tell what he was using there. He's smooth with it, whatever it is. That's not how erasing works in any in any era of technology. But just like that, the thing that they're using is the it's the professional editor's remote control, which has like the jog. Instead of fast forward, they call it jog for some reason. Jog. Soft J. Amin managed to not answer his own question also, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just figured he only asks the questions he doesn't answer. Cage says he can't do it. Gary pulls a gun, takes Cage's gun, says he's under a lot of pressure here. Cage says Tyler will talk to somebody, and then he's right there with the goons. Oh, first of all, Cage, you just threw that nigga under the bus like with the quickness, and there's nothing more embarrassing. I submit to you the most embarrassing thing in the world 
is throwing someone under the bus and then turning around. <laughs> They're right there. Especially when it's a fucking heavyweight champ. Oh my god! That's not the person to do it to. That's a nightmare. That ain't an embarrassment. They've come to an understanding. He says, "You got nothing, kiddo." Snake eyes. The house wins. Ah, ah, he, he said, said it. He, he said, said it. Now, cut to Tyler is beating the shit out of Nick Cage in the bowels of the arena. I salute Tyler for his professionalism because he's clearly just doing it because they've told him to do it, and not because. This motherfucker just sold your ass out. They would have just turned around and shot Lincoln Tyler. Pop, pop. This motherfucker, I would have beat that motherfucker ass with a lot more fucking pizzazz, I'll tell you that. Cage can really take a punch from a professional fighter. But not from Lieutenant Dan, spoiler alert. This is a punch. Come on, girly man, show me what you got, champ. This is champ. Gary's mocking him, tells him uh, everything will be gone for him. His life will be ruined. He'll lose everything. Cajun bloody smiles at Gary and spits blood onto his medals. Mm. Gary knocks him out. Before that, Lieutenant Dan says some really hurtful stuff. He said some fucked up shit, man. Of all the shit, he started talking about like, your girlfriend gonna leave you. You know what she gonna do? She gonna go talk to your wife first. I was like, damn, Lieutenant Dan, what you gonna Maybe you get to see your kid twice a month with visitation in your one-bedroom apartment. It's also a future callback, I mean. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it kind of is. A cool-ass future callback. I wrote, Gary knocking him out was the champ loosened the jar lid for him <laughs> to pop that thing open. He grabs the back of his knocked-out head. Oh, yes. And I said, oh, yes. Acting his ass off as he's knocked out. Like, I mean, that was... That was yeah. Oh god, that was some acting right there. The look on his face is priceless. The rest of his movie is acting his ass off. He says, "If anybody but me, you'd be dead." Carlos still stuck in that room. We get Cage POV as he looks around. There's a hole in the outside wall or something. I couldn't really tell what that whole thing was. We see the rain, the cement truck. He walks up some stairs. He stumbles into a hallway. He is fucked up he's acting his ass off yeah i wrote cage is bloody acting his ass off here stumbling his ass off actor kevin dunn is watching hurricane footage from outside they could sell the footage to local news wants the reporter to do a stand-up hit out there ah yes gary radios that carla's on the boardwalk the rare uh front-facing talent who's also the executive producer apparently (laughs) something breaks through the wall where carla is so she can see outside now a news report is happening is it like a giant harpoon yeah, yes. but there's like a bunch of them laying around. There's another one in in the storage area or whatever. I think it's because it's kind of known that the bad guy from White Chicks is in the defense business. And so I believe the design of the new casino is supposed to look like a missile. And there's a lot of missiles and shit like that. Yes. There was a time in the late 90s, early 2000s where themed casinos was really big. That's when fucking... Circus Circus, New York, Excalibur, fucking Aladdin's Palace, which, of course, became so obsolete. I swear to God, that casino opened like September 1st, 2001. <laughs> and like 10 days later, it's like, Arabs are bad. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. That's why they rebranded the Planet Hollywood. Think of how hard up they were. They're so hard up. They rebranded some shit that also went out of business. <laughs> also went out of business, but they still stuck around. Not Planet Hollywood. I mean, the Planet Hollywood casino yes but that's that's what i'm saying it, it, it would be like radio shack going out of business and rebranding as circuit city <laughs> all right cage is stumbling towards carla gary's right behind him cage sees gary's shadow turns around he won't get out of the way sees the police are there backs away metal globe comes down the boardwalk 
police pull up as Gary chases them outside, shooting at them. They pull guns on Gary. He tries to explain to the cops, and it's all caught on the TV camera. And he says, Rick, tell them what we got here. And, and Cage says, ain't no we, Kevin. You got snake eyes. He said it! As Cage is stumbling down that last little hallway towards the place where Carla is locked up, he's saying her name in the movie, which is Julia, but the way he says it, saying, Jorah. Jorah. Yeah, his mouth is fucked up. Gary is a deer in headlights, tries to walk away, then shoots himself in the heart on TV. So there's a lot going on outside. There's the news van. There's the giant globe. Wow. Cops pulling up. There's Hurricane Jezebel. What a lack of a payoff on that globe and the electricity that's sparking out of it, right? Yeah, we're like, all right, we're going to get like an Indiana Jones moment. It's going to roll down and they're going to have to run from it or something. Or we're going to get a moment like, oh, what the fuck movie was that? Was it Catwoman? where the thing electrocutes the water and then someone fries as a result. That was Wonder Woman, 1984. But the tidal wave hits the news van, knocks the cop van into the newly opened room that they're in. But then there's just no tidal wave. Where did it go? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like, maybe weather is different in Atlantic City. They have a force field that doesn't allow any water into the casino. Atlantic City salutes Richard Santoro. He gets honored. Footage of Rick with his kid fishing. Air guard investigation underway. Footage of Rick Santoro's corruption allegations. He says, I'm Ricky. Come on. And then drives after saying, cocaine my ass. Yes, yeah, some guy, <laughs> some reporter runs up and says, and what about the cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> And then as he drives off, the reporter says, I was just asking because I want to party. <laughs> the mayor of Atlantic City in this movie is called Mayor Frank Sancini. And I don't know why, but I laughed. The great Sancini. I, I just I just kept laughing. Now, uh, actor Kevin Dunn's gotten that boost in his career because he's reporting on Rick's indictment. Cage runs away. They got my guy Rick, man. Cut to construction outside the... They got his ass. Outside the arena, Rick is there. Carla walks up looking pretty great. He's going to spend time upstate. He says, don't try to make a hero out of me. It won't fit. He's going to say, i, I got to spend time upstate. And she said, upstate? Like, she was about to say, my aunt Carol lives up there. Maybe we could go together. Like, no, bitch. Not that kind of upstate. <laughs> she testified at the air guard hearing. Systems dumped. Indictments for administration coming. Things have really changed. It's going to be so different in Atlantic City. Spoiler alert. It's not. Cage tells a story about pirates a couple hundred years ago, which I'm like, okay. Yar! Lights are just brighter now. She asshole he is 35. I wrote, 35? <laughs> Motherfucker looks 50. Literally 35 question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. She asked him the same questions he asked her earlier. You got a wife? He says wife. She ran away. Girlfriend? She ran away too. Could have been worse. Could have ran away with each other. Uh 12 to 18 months from now, he'll give her a call. She'd like that. I think I meant to write they kiss, but I wrote theft kiss. I don't know what that is. Stole a kiss. And it stole a kiss from her. Last crime before he went to jail. Was it a soul kiss, though? Not a soul kiss. They're both white. It says that at least he got to be on TV in the roll credits as construction workers get back to work. And it's, first of all, if you can, please clip in part of the Snake Eyes song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Meredith Brooks Sin City song that she wrote <laughs> just for Snake Eyes. Out the door, you get burned. There is no way back in. Meredith Brooks, fresh off the hit song, I'm a Bitch. I'm a bitch, I'm a 
dinner, I'm a saint. I do that any kind. What do you think the lyrics are? I'm a bitch. I'm a father. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. You think she says I'm a mother twice? I do it and I can. I'm a bitch. I'm a dream. I'm nothing in between. No, I wouldn't even want it any other way. Wait, no, I'm getting confused with fucking uh, porn now. (laughs) Nothing's right. I'm torn. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. Why don't you, Natalie, and brush up on the lyrics? I mean, (laughs) the construction workers. Kind of constructing their ass off in these credits, huh? What the fuck? And just another long take for no fucking reason. No reason. But did you guys get to the end? Yes, where the thing gleams. There's a red ruby built into the construction. Do you guys remember a red ruby in this movie? No. No. Me either. The ginger lady had a ring. That's it? You can't trust your eyes, right? <laughs> Sometimes you have to look again. Oh, my God. You know what it reminds me of? In role models, when Martin is telling the ghost story at the campfire, <laughs> and turn around to find out that it was John, oh, the guy, the, the pizza delivery guy from the beginning of the story. <laughs> that's that's what I felt like because I was like, "What the fuck am I looking at here?" And I was like, "Am I was I just not paying attention?" Like, no, this is just them being fucking quote unquote too deep the original ending there was a massive special effects sequence created by industrial light and magic involving a huge tidal wave going through the casino this ending was cut out in post-production what the fuck (laughs) saw this in the credits that it was done by ilm a lucasfilm company and i was like what special effects did they do the opening 20 minute steady cam sequence is not really one continuous shot oh no there are numerous hidden edits but there are at least 12 minutes of the sequence that were done in one take so this became all their age with True Detective Season 1 in 2014 with that episode. That was also the same year that Birdman came out and did it for an entire movie. And then Sam Esmail does it in Mr. Robot and also does the like panning over the roof or through the wall shots that De Palma did in this movie as well. And then, like you said, Zach, 1917. He did that in Scarface, didn't he? The over-the-top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he was like... 15 years too early on this because it doesn't seem like anybody gave a shit. According to Kevin Dunn, the fact that Gary Sinise's character was named Kevin Dunn caused confusion between the two actors. According to Dunn, much to his surprise, he was given a penthouse suite in a fancy hotel to stay in during the filming. The crew realized that they had accidentally given Sinise's suite to Dunn. Dunn had to leave and stayed at a hotel chain. So fucked up. That's really fucked up. Also, how dumb is your crew? Or like, right. They're, they're signing lodgings to people by their character names the bad news is there was probably a suite for rick santoro that no one ever checked into (laughs) the role of uh, commander kevin dunn was originally written for and offered to will smith so paramount didn't want to pay him 12 million dollars he turned it down and did enemy of the state instead and al pacino also turned down the role of commander kevin dunn gilbert powell is based on that racist fuck donald trump filming was completed two weeks ahead of schedule how does that happen that never happens how does that happen the voice that is heard saying what about the cocaine is that of director brian de palma oh see i told you that motherfucker wasn't asking like as a scandal (laughs) stan shaw also played a boxer in harlem knights future cinephobe snake eyes was the last brian de palma film for which steven spielberg viewed the rough cut and if you look at his imdb it's kind of significant kind of falls off after this allegedly 
Oh, wow. That's the end of his career? The only one that Zach mentioned that's after this movie is Domino, which I don't think really did that well. It's kind of a rough look after this. Because he did Mission Impossible, then this, and then... I mean, he's also like fucking 8 million years old. Domino qualifies. Scorsese's still going. Spielberg's still going. Like, they, they went long after 1998. His peers. He did Mission to Mars. No, Mission to Mars is the one that... Oh, the Black Do- the Black Dahlia was good. You guys watched that one with Josh Hartnett? You love Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett month coming up soon. Uh, it's just us doing 40 days, 40 nights, four times. Well, I mainly eat out of a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> I should try that. I need some new dresses. Don't. <laughs> or if you do, stay away from the one in Ocean and Wilshire. That's mine. Seriously. Stay out of it. Golden Dumpster nominees. The opening scene. The King of the Sewer Line with the bell ringing. Nick Cage punching a photographer. This movie was kind of weirdly anti-media. It's very anti-media. Prescient. Nick Cage meowing at the lion head. (laughs) Carla walking into a column to remind us that she can't see real good. The killer being Palestinian. Walt the surveillance wizard doing his thing, finding the name on the ID. Ned Anderson loudly... Boastfully lying about writing a letter to his wife in Atlantic City. (laughs) The other boxer, Ruiz, dancing around and trying to kill him with bullshit. Fuck. Nick Cage repeatedly calling the heavyweight champ a girly man. The snarky news reporter flipping off the camera and just Nicolas Cage, the man. I mean, Golden Dumpster? There's a lot of... I I, I went into this thinking that Nicolas Cage, the man, was going to be the winner. Yeah. Carla walking into the, the column had me dying. Man, it's got to be. Uh, there I was, minding my own business, <laughs> writing a letter to my wife. Hello, lovely wife. My lovely wife. <laughs> That's my golden dumpster right there. My golden dumpster. Fuck, man. I really want to pick Carla walking into that pole. Oh, man. But I'm going to go with Ruiz the fighter, just taunting, <laughs> dancing and taunting and jiggling and bouncing. It's a dead heat, and they're both just seconds of this movie it's a dead heat between the meow at the lion head and the walking into the column i will go with walking into the column to remind us that she's blind <laughs> oh man they really hit us over the head with that blind shit we didn't see it coming oh i picked it motherfucker okay no need to get cute here it's a file for me i fucking love this movie it's one of my favorite nick cage movies i think he acts his ass off in this movie i love carla gugino i'm all in on her it's an Easy, easy file for me. I don't love Carla Gugino. I think she's always the bitch in every movie. She wasn't in this movie, but she kind of is. Because as Nicolas Cage points out, when you just fucking crunch your numbers and mind your own business. But I must say, this is going to be a file for me, boys. I was entertained. I was in the store. There was no part of this movie where I was bored. Other than when Lieutenant Dan was <laughs> telling his war stories. And I was like, oh, here we go again. But other than that, like, it was an entertaining enough story in retrospect as i think about it one of the critics had it right they probably should have kept his identity a secret up until the point where nick cage is reviewing the tape reviewed a little early for sure it would have been a nicer reveal right at that moment especially once they pan to him he's already in the room yeah you're right i'm with that and also especially since we're doing pov shots so much in this movie they could have done one where like the redhead who wasn't actually a redhead and the drunk who wasn't actually drunk are talking and interacting with him 
without seeing who it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maze. I was really, really into it. The first like 20, 30 minutes with the long take and just the energy of that first scene is really impressive. It did kind of dwindle down the stretch. It was kind of losing momentum. There's the weird ending with the hurricane or not, but it was still a good movie. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Nick Cage, really good the entire time. This is his month. I'm filing it. And that is a sweep. Yeah, it's like my 10th positive sweep, right? That is not accurate. Snake eyes, you lose. House always wins. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade. First positive sweep since the fan also picked by me. Wow. Wow. Because Maze has phobed Money Train and Jiu-Jitsu. Why do because oh, because I picked them. Well, you phobed Money Plane. I mean, payback's a bitch. All right. What's next, Maze? I have deliberated over three movies here quite a while. I wanted to do older cage, and I've decided <laughs> because of his co-stars in this movie. It's too delicious to pass up. We're doing Kiss of Death. Oh! With David Caruso, the other movie that he made, along with Jade, that effectively murdered his movie career. I cannot tell you how aggressive Nick Cage's goatee is in this movie. (laughs) I can already tell you, Nick Cage's goatee, golden dumpster, just penciled in for me. I won't lie, I was going to make a snarky remark of why are we asking Maze when all of his picks for the next fucking year are literally listed in the spreadsheet (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Woke her up around one. <laughs> she didn't hesitate to call Lieutenant Dan the Top Gun. 